You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. And God, even now we come before you and we get a little glimpse and a little picture of what that one day will be like where we will see the beauty and the majesty of our great and our wonderful God. And God, that you are so holy and you are so majestic and so mighty and so powerful and you are in all regions of this whole universe in its eternity. And God, we just, in, in, in the way that it is without end, and yet, God, you care so much about each individual here. You care about every need. You, you know everything about us. You love us. You sent your son to this earth for us. And God, I pray that today, that wherever we are found, whether we're rejoicing today, whether we are waiting today, whether we're discouraged, whether we're pumped, wherever we are, oh God, I pray that we would meet and encounter you the living God through the living word of God. And we are thank you that you have spoken and that we can read, we can follow, and our lives can be changed, transformed, encouraged, corrected, rebuked, and ultimately falling in love in a greater way with who you are, our great and our wonderful God. Meet us here this morning. Meet those in Hope Kids as they are in the word this morning as well to do this good work in each one, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And take your Bibles and turn to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, the ushers are coming forward with Bibles, and we would love for everyone to have a copy of God's Word in their hands, and hopefully you have a pen in your, uh, on your person as well. And if you need a pen or a notepad uh, as far as connection card, the top part to take down some notes, there's going to be three declarations we're going to be looking at today. I encourage you to write those down. And there's scripture verses we're going to be um, mentioning, some looking at, some of it referring to. Go home, study God's word this week, study in light of what we're talking about, and be a Berean, study the word of God in that way. And so I encourage you to have a Bible in hand, have it open to Habakkuk too. We'll be looking at that in a few moments live stream. Again, welcome to you, and we're thankful the ushers are there, and they have Bibles, pens, and paper for you as well. If you need that, they would love to help uh, give that to you. You know, we don't like to wait very much, do we? We can, in fact, some of us can maybe be kind of known as a very, being very impatient people. And I think in, in certain regards, in certain areas in our life, we all can be, uh, struggle with impatience. And, and, and when it comes to waiting, we oftentimes try to avoid it at all costs. Whether we're in stores, we look for the shortest line. In restaurants, we don't want to wait. What's taking so long for my food? I'm hungry for crying out loud. In traffic, uh, we don't like to wait. I know for me, I'm always looking for the shorter lane in traffic, you know, the faster one. You're wondering, okay, can I blow them off the line here when the light turns green? And, and you know, or in doctor's offices or waiting for a medical report, we don't like to wait. And when we were in Miami, uh, just couple weeks ago now, I guess it would be, of course, we went to my favorite store, Costco. I had to go to Costco in Miami. And you know what they have there? Self-checkout. 
so unfair and so awesome. We loved it so much we went through twice because we didn't even have to wait, you know. And, and one of the things that bugs me about my favorite store is when you go in there and you see these people with these big carts and you have to take your two or three items because I go there so often. And, and, you know, just two or three items like, we need a self-checkout. I don't like to wait, you know. And so in Miami, I guess I could move there and I would be satisfied, you know. Uh, but, but then, uh, more recently, we've been ordering things on Amazon Prime and we have been so shocked and so amazed. You click the button and two days, your product arrives for the most part. And it's like, how do they do this? This is so amazing. We just love it. And I ordered one thing Wednesday morning and by Friday before we left town, it was already waiting for me when I got home that day. Like, this is awesome. I love it. But then talking to pastors in the United States, some of them get their Amazon Prime deliveries in two hours. And I'm like, that's not fair. Why do we have to wait so long in Canada? You know, here I'm thinking it's so awesome. And now it's like, that stinks, you know, because we don't like to wait, do we? I mean, we're just kind of like that. That's not fair, you know. And we're in such a hurry-up society. Let's hurry up. Let's get it done. We're a microwave, high-speed internet, 5G, real-time kind of culture. We, we like almost instant everything. We even, I mean, you even have instant coffee for, oh, no, wait, that's gross. You know, we will wait in long lines for our addictions, won't we? I mean, you see lines at Starbucks or at Timmy's or your favorite coffee place. Oftentimes, if it's good, there's a long line up there. But now they've helped you with that so you can have a mobile app so you can just walk into the store, blow past the line, thank you very much, and walk out and, you know, have your favorite cup of beverage. And, and, and so we don't like that sort of thing. You know, we don't like waiting. We often try to eliminate it out of our lives. We try to avoid it as much as possible. And so oftentimes we see the negative aspects when it comes to waiting. What good could waiting possibly have for us? And yet we're going to see biblically, we're going to see in God's word today that waiting and waiting on God can make all the difference in the world. Recently, uh, you know, and, and we're going to look at how can we make waiting even worthwhile, and, and maybe we should take a lesson from my son who recently was in, uh, he's in Bible school in Saskatchewan, our son is there, and he had to go to the emergency in Swift Current to get his ankle looked at one evening, and, and while he was waiting, he was texting, he said, I'm so bored, it's like, he said, it's a three hour, three, four hour wait time, and so, so he filled the time of waiting uh, with this. Anyways, it continues on, and um, I can send that to you afterwards if you want to see the full version. Anyways, our, our son was, was doing that, and, and at least he took advantage of some of the waiting. And, and, and so oftentimes, though, when it comes to waiting, we just don't care for it very much. We, we just want to kind of get through to it and get through to the other side. But how about when it comes to waiting and it just seems there's no end in sight? How about when it comes to some of the more serious issues? I mean, lineups in restaurants or for coffee or in traffic, those are nothing compared to other things going on in our lives. God, when will things turn around in my marriage, in my job, in my finances, with my health, in that relationship with that person or with that family or friend it's just a constant struggle for you, and you're just wondering how much longer, God? When will that loved one turn to you 
and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ? When will that prodigal come home? When will those prayers that have been praying for so long and others have been praying, when will they be answered? When will the conditions of my life or in my mind or in my body, when will they improve? When will that healing come? Will it ever come? I think of Carol, one of the dear ladies in our church. We mentioned her a number of times who recently moved to Calgary and is battling cancer. And though there's been some very encouraging news and medical reports of, of, of just some progress being made in the cancer diminishing, last week she enjoyed some visits with some folks here from Hope Kelowna and, and had a wonderful weekend visiting with some of them. But now this week there's been some new developments in, in, in that and it looks like it's more arthritis in the hip area and that. And so again, waiting, waiting for doctor's reports, waiting to see if the news gets better and just to see what God's plan is in all of this and so we need to continue to keep praying for this dear sister and praying for one another as we walk through the battles and we rejoice when there's good news and we we come alongside and 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 cry and mourn and pray and stand with one another in the difficult times that's what the body of christ is for and so continue to keep praying for our dear sister some of the most some of god's most choice the choicest and the his, some of his greatest servants we see in the word of God and throughout church history have learned the lessons of waiting and have been forced to wait. In fact, I believe in order to become a choice servant of God, we are going to spend time in God's waiting room and we're going to wonder what is going on. And some of God's choicest servants as we have seen biblically and through history have waited months, years, decades. And, and for some never saw the fulfillment of their hopes, their dreams, their prayers in their lifetime. And yet the very thing that so oftentimes we try to avoid is something that God is wanting to use in our lives for our good. Psalm chapter 1, verse 40, write down this reference and go home and read it this week. I'd encourage you, and the words are on the screen. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined my ear and he heard my cry. Wait patiently for the Lord, and he listens when we wait for him, when we cry to him. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. That's what our God promises to do as we wait for him. And then look at this, the end of this in verse 3. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And that because a result of my waiting and my struggle and being in the mud and in the mire and, and being in there... And now God lifting me up and God doing a work many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God can use our waiting. In Habakkuk chapter 2, we see a perplexed prophet of God. Habakkuk is confused. He's questioning. And we're finding here, him here in the beginning of chapter 2 in God's waiting room, if you want to call it that. And just to catch you up to speed, if it's been a number of weeks since we've looked at this, or if you haven't joined us for the first few weeks, the other messages are online. But in, in Habakkuk's day, God's people had boldly and very sharply and unashamedly rebelled against the word of God. They didn't listen to the warnings of the prophets, and they didn't pay attention to the word of God. Obedience to God's word was seen as optional or was whatever they wanted to do. They would pick and choose. I remember hearing it this way, smorgasbord Christianity. We can do that today too. We kind of pick and choose the parts we like from the word of God and leave the stuff we don't like. 
And that's what they had been doing. And because of that, they were struggling. And God was warning them. And God raised up prophets to come alongside the Israelite people, the Jewish people, and say, wake up, turn back to me, or else destruction will come your way. And, and God used prophets to call people back to him to warn them that there would be a price to pay for their disobedience. And God was patient and he was loving and he's like waiting and he's waiting, but finally he says enough is enough. And for the most part, the prophets were ignored. People either laughed at them, scoffed at them, ignored them, and even at times put them to death. And so in chapter one, as we looked at that for a number of weeks, a few weeks back, we see that Habakkuk, is like you and me at times. God, what are you doing? What is going on? Here you're calling me to be a faithful servant of yours, and look at your people. They're not listening. In fact, they're going, they're, it's becoming worse the direction that they're going with their lives. How could you do this? How can you just stand idly by and do this? And then God answered Habakkuk in chapter one. He said, hey, don't worry, Habakkuk. I got this. I got this. I'm already working. And you know what? What I am doing, it's going to blow your mind. And what he went on to tell him did blow his mind, but not in a good way. Because then even Habakkuk was even more confused because he said, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the, the Babylonians, this new mighty empire. They're going to come and they're going to wipe out my people. They're going to come and they're going to pay the price for their disobedience. And he's like, how could you do that, God? That doesn't seem right or fair. Yes, your people are evil. Yes, your people are doing some wicked things. But the Babylonians, they are even worse. How can you use a, even a worse kind of people, so terrible, so rebellious, so bad, so evil, so wicked, to come and deal with your people in this way. And so he's confused. He's like, God, don't do this. God, no. God, this doesn't make any sense. And you know what? In our own lives, when we take and apply God's word here in this passage, even to our, our own lives, to our own situations, God will at times use some of the most shocking people to accomplish his purposes in our life, won't he? What about that arrogant boss? That lazy coworker, that unfair teacher who picks on you or has a, a favorite and you are not it. God can use our kids to refine, to accomplish his will. God can use an ex, an ex-spouse, an ex-family member, an ex-business partner to sanctify you and me. God can use an illness, a setback, a betrayal. He could use even the death of a loved one. You see, we often see these things that I've just described as barriers and oppositions and, 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 and terrible situations in our lives, and they are. I'm not belittling them. But we see them oftentimes as, let's just muscle through this. We see it as weakness or we see it as worthless, waiting and struggling, and yet God sees character refinement, and God sees transformation available and possible to us through the struggle and through the battles. You see, character is forged in the soil of waiting, and it is a place in the, in the waiting room of God where God is oftentimes first and foremost truly sought oftentimes, and that is where he is found. The waiting room can be our place of transformation. So let's not waste the waiting. So oftentimes we just want to muscle through it, sleep through it, ignore it, just kind of wait for, for things to get better. Let's not waste the waiting. 
Let's learn from Habakkuk here, this faithful servant. And so as we dig into chapter two here, the first four verses, I encourage you, see with me these declarations that you and I can make, these declarations that were a part of Habakkuk's life to see him through to the other side of this confusion, confusing situation and ended up resulting in his worship and his rest and his peace, even though nothing changed in his life. He met with God and a transformation was happening. And so I encourage you to write this down. When I am tested and I am waiting, first of all, I will cling to God's word. When I am tested and when I am waiting, I will cling to God's word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very well-known passage. Write that down, read it, memorize it, have this in your heart, know it's so true. Trust in the Lord with half your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Is that right, half your heart? No, with your whole heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge him and he will make your, straight, your path straight. That means that we, we trust God in his way. We don't lean on our understanding because in, in the end of the day, we're dumb. We're not very smart. Our brains are like three pounds. Some of you have bigger heads. Maybe you got three and a half pounds out of your brain. I don't know, but our brains aren't very big. God is infinite. God is all-knowing. He's almighty. Don't trust in our ways, trust in his ways, trust in his word. And it's absolutely vital that we trust, we cling to God's word when we don't understand everything that is going on around us in our lives, in our family, in the world situation, in politics and all of this. We need to understand God's word. But sadly, God's word is oftentimes the very first thing we start to question or we doubt or we run away from. And we ought not to do this. We're to cling to God's word. Look at what it says now in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Confused, uncertain, perplexed, that's Habakkuk. But rather than running from the Lord and rather than, you know, just kind of telling God off and, you know, you can just take this and you can just shove this prophet job, I'm done with it, you know. He, he doesn't run like Jonah did. Instead, he, he, he bends to God and he, he turns to God in his frustration, in his waiting. And this eventually is what led him to praise. But that will be for the weeks ahead. Today it's in God's waiting room. Habakkuk resolves to wait, to wait for God to answer. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul finds, my soul waits in his word. I hope. We put our hope and we wait for his word to be accomplished. And his word, his will, will be accomplished in his life. If we are faithful, we do not give up. We press on no matter what circumstances are telling us. We cling to the truth of God's word. Confused he is, yes, and perplexed, and yet he is trusting. And so as we continue to see here uh, with Habakkuk, it, it says, I will stand, take my stand at my watch post. Some translations will call it a, a watchtower. And so Habakkuk goes to this station, this watchtower, and, and just so you know, this is not the magazine that the JWs um, stand on street corners and, and, and try to hand out to you. A watchtower isn't that. A watchtower, in, in, in God's word, is a place, whether it be literal or figurative, a place or a post. It means a pulling away. It's where the prophet pulled away, and he decided, went, entered into a season of waiting, waiting for the Lord to give him insight, to give him direction, to give him peace. Because he didn't have any of that. But look at verse 2. 
Look at it in your word, in the word of God. And the Lord answered me. And the Lord will answer his servants. When we wait for him, he will answer. Now, we don't know how, we don't have a clue how long he waited. Was it hours? Was it days? Was it weeks? Was it months? Sometimes God's word doesn't give us that kind of clarity, and it's probably for a good reason, because we would turn it into a formula, and some church would try to market it. You know, go and pray for three and a half days, because that's when Habakkuk's breakthrough came, or whatever it might be, and, and so we don't have that kind of understanding, but he enters into the season of waiting on God, and God, I don't know what to do. I look at it, it continues on in verse two, it says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who needs it. God is saying, I have something to tell you now, Habakkuk, it's time. Write it down, but chisel it onto, onto stone tablets. Don't put it on parchment, just don't put it on paper, so that the heralder, so this, will be, this message will be taken through, throughout the, the land, throughout the nation, and whoever communicates this message will have it and hear it. It is a firm, a permanent, accurate description of what I have to tell you. God is saying, I want this to be a permanent record, so chisel it into stone. In biblical and secular history and what God goes on to tell Habakkuk is which we will further see next week, Lord willing, as we continue on in this passage or in this series. But biblical and secular history tell us that God, what God said did happen. You see, folks, we can trust God's word. It's 100% reliable and trustworthy. And what God says what God has said in the past would happen has happened. What he says is yet to happen, it will one day happen. The promises that God began with and we see right in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, we see the promises that he made and continue through Abraham when God said to Abraham, through you, Abraham, your offspring, the nations, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And then he had Isaac and Jacob and David and continued this, this bloodline, God raising up, God preserving, God keeping a people and nation for himself. And it's through this nation that he promised the Messiah, the Holy One, the, the Savior of the world. It would be through this bloodline that the promised one would come. Yet right now for Habakkuk, it wasn't happening. Things were looking pretty dark. He only sees a mess. He sees a nation falling apart. He sees a nation that is about to be destroyed. I mean, it was just blowing him away what was happening. And it's just like, God, how can you be faithful to your word? And yet we're going to see he was a man of faith. The Babylonians did come. They did pummel Judah. In a series of raids, they executed the justice on the Lord's behalf on his wayward, sinful people. The nation, including the temple of God, left in ruins. Yet God did preserve a faithful, righteous remnant. People like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, taken into captivity at this time, taken to Babylon, and after 70 years in exile, these, these faithful people stood for the Lord. They stood on the truth of God's word, men, women of conviction. And we see 70 years later, thousands returned back to Jerusalem. Conditions had changed and started the task of rebuilding, rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the temple under the direction of Ezra and Nehemiah. And just as God's word promised that righteous remnant continued and the Messiah did come, 
Just as God's word promised and foretold, it's true, folks. His word is 100% accurate and reliable. We can go to the bank on it. We don't even, even banks maybe these days aren't even all that reliable. Who knows? But God's word is. God's word promised that, that Messiah would be born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem that he would live a perfect life, all promised in the Old Testament, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, that he would die on a cross, that he would be placed in a rich man's tomb, that he would, that he would then die, but then he would rise again three days later, conquering sin and death. 300 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, again and again, providing and proving God's word 100% reliable. We can cling to it. And then we read that Jesus ascended up into heaven. And today, just as real as you are sitting in these seats right now, just as you are sitting in the live stream right now, just as real, in real time, Jesus is alive. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and the angels and the departed saints your friends, your loved ones who've gone on ahead are there rejoicing around the throne in real time. Pinch yourself, literally. Pinch your neighbor. Wake up. As real as what is happening. Pinch, come on, wake up. Because as real as what, was ha what is happening here in this room right now is happening in another dimension in heaven. It's happening. It's real. It's reliable. And what God says has, will happen it will one day happen. He has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the present and in the future. And the Bible says that Jesus is one day, he's going to return. And his word tells us and warns us of the birth pains and the indicators of his return. And wow, are we ever seeing those in our world today? Pandemics now, we see what's going on with this coronavirus. Again, birth pains. Folks, he's getting ready. This is God waking us up, God's, war God's warning system for us to say, wake up, be ready. Tell others the kingdom of God is near. And when Jesus comes back, he will bring his kingdom. Satan will be defeated once and for all. Sin, addiction, struggle, strife, illness, financial pressure, lying, cheating, abuse, addictions, all of it. No one will be frustrated. No one will be worrying. No one will have to work. Although I think the only people having to work, as I understand the word of God, are worship people. So worship band, you're going to be the only ones worshiping in heaven. We're not going to need preachers. Woohoo! Heaven, no more preaching in heaven because we will be there with the living word. Well, we're going to be doing a lot of worship, and so you're going to probably be scheduled once every, like, billion years or something like that, and, you know, you'll have to, you know, won't have to practice. You'll just show up. It'll be awesome. Maybe I can even join a worship team. Then I could maybe even sing. That would be really cool. But I'll be singing. I'll be worshiping. I'll be exploring the new heavens, the new earth. Oh, God, this is, this is reality. You see, God's Word gives us the right 
the heavenly, the eternal perspective. And so many of you walked in here today, and if you don't get this through your head, you're going to walk out of here today, and you're going to be so discouraged and beat up by what's going on in your life and the world, the fears that you woke up with this morning, that at 3 o'clock in the morning where you were battling with and you're wondering what to do. Yes, that's living from an earthly perspective. Get living on the heavenly perspective of the Word of God and what He has said and what He promises. Because it's true. It's reliable. God's word is trustworthy. It is sufficient. Everything we need from the word of God, everything we need from God is found in the word of God. You do not need to do and do not go like some churches and some leaders will tell you to do to get alone with God. Take out a pen and start writing out what God has to tell you. Some deeper, some higher, some further revelation. God's will for you and your life is found here in the word of God. It is complete. It is sufficient. It is enough. And when our experiences that we go through in life seem to contradict the promises of God, when our feelings and when our emotions and when culture says it's fine to do that or to feel that way, it's not a big deal if you just sin a little bit here to disobey God's word, to, to, to move away from, from his blessing in our life. You're being misled. God's word, he is faithful. He works in a different time. And oftentimes we will. So in humility, we pray for wisdom, we pray for strength, we seek out godly people in our lives. That's why groups are so important, that we are all part of a group time um, meeting that, that takes place so we have people to encourage and strengthen, remind us of God's promises and to stand with us, encourage us, and sometimes to kick our uh, behinds at times when we're, we're thinking worldly and we're not thinking heavenly, when we're th- being, allowing ourselves to be consumed by the things that, that, that the world and the devil would want us to be uh, Um, consumed with rather than the things of the Lord. And so we cling to the word of God. We wait for him. And we're gonna go through seasons of confusion and seasons of testing, and yet God's word, his, it will stand. Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. So let's hold fast it was 20 years ago, I was a young pastor serving the Lord in a, in a small church in, in Alberta. I was in a season of a deep battle and struggle mentally, emotionally, and I was seriously losing hope. In fact, I was wasting away, like in my mind, in the battle and the struggle. And the primary thing that got me out of that rut, that got me out of that mud was the word of God. It took me going, admitting to others that I had the struggle, that I was battling, that this war was going on in my head that was slowly just causing me to, to lose hope, lose hope for living even. And it was God's word. And I was given this assignment for 31 days to be in the word of God and to write out scripture verses, and I did it because I was told to do it. And I wrote, these scripture verses, and I was in the word of God for 16 days, and really nothing changed. Just kept writing it, just kept writing out the scriptures, reading the scriptures, reading in my own handwriting, praying over it, and finally, day 17, the break started. That God started to work in my life, and I started to see in a greater way, and slowly, slowly, the victory came. And I look at that, 
what the Lord allowed in my life and, and other shaping events that, that, that I have gone through and have experienced, the, the, the main anchor for my soul, the main foundation that has seen me through and will see any of you and all of us through the struggles and the battles of life and come through, uh, through on the other side isn't a good medical report. That might be nice, but in the end, it's understanding and knowing God's word and having him minister deeply to our lives and to our situations. When we are tested and when we are waiting, we need to cling to God's word. Second of all, another declaration. When I am tested and when I am waiting, I will rest in God's sovereignty and in his timing. Look at verse three here in Habakkuk two. It says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And so God was telling Habakkuk, what I'm promising, it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. So oftentimes we want to rush God. We want things on our timetable. We want God to do what we want when we want to do it. And we must remember he is sovereign. He's running the universe. His hands are not tied. He's not biting his nails over what's happening in the news. He's eternal. He exists outside of time. He can work in the moment and he is in the future. That is our God. And like Habakkuk, we must learn to exercise patient trust in waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord to give an answer, to come through, to bring clarity. But many impatient Christians fizzle before the finish line. We give up. We become disillusioned. We turn our back. We become bitter, resentful. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And then thirdly, when I am tested, when I am waiting, I will live by faith. This is an important declaration. This is life-changing. Look what it says. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Here we see a comparison that God is making. He's comparing the person who lacks faith, and he's talking about the Babylonians, which we will dig into in a further way next week. And just as God was basically stating there are two type of people, there's the proud and the arrogant who think they've got it, and then there are the righteous who live by faith. And in this room, there are one of two people. There are two types of people in here. And either you are a proud, arrogant, puffed up person thinking you've got this, and you can muscle through life on your own, in your own power, in your own strength, and you don't need God, you will one day be humbled. You will be. Or there is the righteous who will live by faith, who will thrive in the midst of uncertainty and in the struggle. And we see this comparison here, and as I said, we'll dig into that more next week. We see the proud, the arrogant, the, the puffed up person. I'm in control. I've got this. Or the righteous. And Habakkuk, this book, this prophet is a reminder that Prideful people will one day be humbled. They will. They will. While the righteous, those who God saves, will live by faith. 
and will be honored. These words to Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. Underline that in your, in your Bible, if it is your Bible. Underline, it is a key passage. These words would be like a lightning bolt for Habakkuk. This statement, life-changing. That's all he needed to hear. God is assuring Habakkuk that he is faithful to his promises and that he is and has and always will preserve the ones who live by faith. And Habakkuk, continue to keep living and trusting by faith. You see, Old Testament saints like Abraham, like Habakkuk, were made righteous in a future grace by trusting in and having a steadfast love in the promises and a steadfast faith in the promises of God. The righteous in the Old Testament were those who trusted God regardless of the circumstances. None of them perfectly because a lot of them have a big F over their lives for failure because they failed, they messed up, but they confessed and they made things right with God and they continued on. They didn't have a perfect faith, but we see an abiding faith that they had and they remained faithful and they were considered righteous. Romans chapter four tells us their faith the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament Israelites, those who kept the faith and continued to keep trusting God, it was credited to, their faith was credited to them as righteousness. And today they are with our God in glory. And God is reminding Habakkuk that the righteous will live by faith. While everything seems to be going on, going wrong all around him, even when the Babylonians would come and take things over, and destroy and pillage and take the youngest and the best to Babylon, the righteous remnant would say, God is my salvation, my hope. God is enough. And today, because of Jesus, we are made and declared righteous. Not by anything that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Today, we are saved and made Righteous, declared righteous before God by faith. Jesus Christ. You see, in chapter 2, verse 4, this is such a key, powerful verse, one of the key and most powerful verses in the whole Bible. That's why I told you, underline it. It's so amazing, it's so powerful, because it's quoted three other times in the New Testament. In three of the great doctrinal epistles, this passage, this statement that God gave to Habakkuk was repeated. Romans 1.17, read it this week. Read all of Romans 1, where we are told that we are saved and we are justified by faith because of Jesus. This is the future grace that Habakkuk and Old Testament saints longed and waited for. We now can have through Jesus Christ. We are justified by him, by believing in Jesus, believing that he is the son of God who came to this earth, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death, paid the, paid the debt that we could not pay. And when we turn to him in repentance and in faith as our Lord and as our Savior and say, Jesus, I surrender my all my life to you, we are saved, we are justified, we are declared forgiven and righteous before God. He adopts us into his family. We become his child, his possession. And the Holy Spirit comes in and takes residence in our life and he empowers us and strengthens us to live for him as we walk in step with his spirit. 
When we grieve his spirit through sin, through disobedience, we confess that and we ask the Holy Spirit to once again renew and to, re- to, to fill us on a daily basis and we need to do that continually. The Holy Spirit takes up this residence within us, empowering and strengthening us. And so we are saved by faith, but Galatians 3.11 Paul teaches that the Christian life is then sustained. We continue to live by faith. We're saved by faith, but now ongoing work of sanctification, transformation happens as we walk by faith. You see, righteousness is not based on a scale of outweighing the good or the bad. Well, I've done enough good things, so God will keep me this way. And sometimes even after people come to faith in Jesus Christ, we start living the law game again. And we think, well, if I, I, I just got to do good things now to please God. And it's not a scale of good and bad. It's a standing that we have before him. That we have been made right. We have been declared righteous. And from that, we want to serve him. Not because we have to, but because, and, and we believe and we walk by faith. And so it is, we are saved by faith. We live by faith. And then it's also given to us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And then what is Hebrews known as is the great what, what book of the Bible? What? The great faith chapter, faith book of the Bible, and what is the great faith chapter of the Bible? Hebrews 11. Know that. That's important to know. And go home and read that this afternoon in in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, and then it leaks over into Hebrews 11. We have the examples of the faithful men and women who live by faith, and some of them experience God's faithfulness and God's deliverance here on this earth, and some, it tells us, They received it in another life. They're receiving it in eternity right now. And so we live by faith, we are saved by faith, and we have examples of faithful believers. You see, faith is though, it's not like a pinata that you hit it hard enough and have enough gusto into it and then it will happen. That's That's not what faith is. There's a lot of false teaching that will say if you have enough faith, You'll get the healing. You'll get the spouse. Just, just have right, positive, good thoughts and just get rid of the bad and, you know, bad and good and bad and good and craziness and, and, and that sort of thing. You'll get the promotion. You'll get the house. If you have enough faith, you'll get the good life. You'll get the easy life if you have enough faith. That's not what biblical faith is all about. Faith is not getting what we want. It's accepting what God wants for us. Sight says, I believe it when I see it. Faith says, I believe it until I see it. It, it presses on. Faith isn't about manipulating God to get what we want. Faith is trusting God to use the circumstances that we are in to make us more like Jesus. Faith is trusting what God says while we are waiting to see what God does. Faith is trusting what God says in his word while we wait for what God does. Faith keeps trusting God's promises that the light is coming. Faith does not mean that everything will be okay, but you will be okay. Faith is not getting our way, but aligning ourselves with God's way. And that is what Habakkuk is experiencing while he's waiting, as he hears from God. He comes into alignment with God's ways, And by chapter three, we see him rejoicing. As he declares, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray together. Just encourage you to just spend some time just even now
in your own heart examination, in your own response to the Word of God. Those things in your life, those people, the stresses, the worries. And would we take these declarations, and I'm going to just read them over you here this morning, and I trust these would be declarations in your own heart. When I am confused, my faith is being tested, and I am waiting, I will cling to God's word. I will rest in God's sovereign will and timing. And I will live by faith. And see, folks, it's not the quality or the quantity of our faith, or even the quality, really, of our faith, but the object of our faith that keeps us going. And that object of our faith, when we are weak and we are worn, it, Jesus He is the object of our faith. And so that is why whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that you're experiencing, release it to the Lord and make these declarations. I will cling to your word. I won't run from it. I will rest in your good, sovereign will and in your timing. And I desire to live by faith. Release it to him. And a great and a fitting response to this then is worship. Praising and thanking our God, declaring what he has done in our lives through worship. As we turn our attention now to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And after the service, or actually even during the worship time, we will have some prayer partners available for you. And we're changing a little bit how we're doing it to accommodate the live stream and just sometimes the chaos that happens at the front at, at the end of the service. Out in the lobby, there's a sign, and it says, it says prayer partners. And there will be some prayer partners there during this time of worship and after the service, and you can go up to them, and they would love to pray for you and with you. And we'd love to see that be a growing area of our church where we just know that there are people ready and willing at the end of each service to pray for and with us in our time of need. And so at, right after the service or even during this worship song, you can go and spend that time in prayer or you may want to stay in your seat and pray and just commit these declarations to God that we would trust his word. You would repent of areas where you have been strained from the word of God, where you've been living your own life. Repent of those areas. Make that right before him. Commit to following him by faith. Commit to trusting in his timing, believing that he is good and he loves you very much. So God, do a good work in us and through us, I pray. And as we worship, accept this worship is coming from our hearts as we declare that you are good and you are good. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.